And yes, this is the show that talks about how to get rid of your job, become self-employed, and do nothing all day. It's Thursday at 4 p.m., which means this is Pillars of Franchising. And I'm Fred McMurray with my co-host and friend, Ray Pillar. Tell us, Ray, why is it sweaty where we are? It's hot. (laughs) It's simply hot. And we went from winter to summer. What happened to spring, Fred? (laughs) I don't know. Where I was four days ago was nice and very not hot in the mid-70s, not a swamp. <laughs> well, today we have two guests with us. And, Tell us about them. And we'd like to welcome Judd Lofchie. Is that correct? Yes. And uh, Judd is an attorney, a broker, a developer. What other, what other things you want to uh, throw on there? Uh, that's pretty much it. Uh, alderman, I do charity work, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, for the purpose of this show, I think realtor, uh, developer, and lawyer. Fantastic. And our other guest today, who's been on for three other times. Yes, she's. That's Kristen Samezzi, and Molly Maid owner here in beautiful Bloomingdale. And we are giving her uh, for her efforts on when Ray was actually lost in the middle of. Uh, Party bus land, a Lenny Award. That's a Link Local uh, Network Helping Hand gold. Award. Solid gold. Nine ninety five, please. Um, no, um, and we're also giving one to your now departed chief aide and manager for securing us the Wi-Fi password so we can bring you this show. Good thing I had two with me. So, Ray, back to you. Fantastic. Well, today's topic is. Location, location, location. Why is it important? Well, for a franchise, location could be everything. It's important to have an A location. And an A location for, say, Dunkin' Donuts may be different than an A location for Molly Maid or a auto repair place. Um, food restaurants like Dunkin' Donuts we've done, um, they want to be close to the street, mm-hmm. right up on the street, whereas maybe a dry cleaner wants to be next to the grocery store and back so people shop and then they go get their laundry. Um, auto parts stores want uh, to have certain incomes. They don't want uh, too low income. They don't want too high. Um, we've done Midas and Jiffy Lubes and Merlins and Meineke's and they want pretty good exposure, street exposure that can be found. They love to be by the train station, you know, drop your car. Oh, sure. So you said A location. Does this imply that there's a B location? <laughs> good question, Fred. Well, a B location, like so Molly made a, a made franchise, doesn't maybe have to be right on the street and pay high rent. They can be more an office park or industrial park. Um, they may need more parking. They have cars to park. And you may not want them out on the street at night. You want them more hidden in an office park. So not really A and B, but I would say different different uses for different franchises, different locations. So, Kristen, what do you see? I mean, you deal both with the residential and the commercial. Sure. What types of franchises do you see in the B locations? Well, I guess in, in normal realtor terms, you might consider my office space a a B or even maybe kind of a C location because we're in an office park, but it's not a a 
you know, brand new building. It's kind of an older building. But for, for our particular franchise, we looked at this area because we're looking at the demographics of the people that live around the office, people that would want to do the type of work that we're hiring for, um, looking for the people who maybe um, maybe they don't even have uh, transportation to get here. So we have a bus line out front. We have multiple apartment complexes around us. We placed our office in a location that has lower income families as opposed to a higher income family. Um, we try to keep our cars, and most small made locations try to keep the cars visible because they're like a billboard for us. Um, but in some cases, depending on where you are, and there's uh, certainly some cities that have ordinances against that. So that's kind of one of those different things. But I do think one of the things that you said, Judd, is that the A location really does vary according to what your business needs are. One of the more important things for us, uh, us, us I mean that uh, for Molly Maids, is being close to our employee base. You know, like, like Kristen says, ha having that bus line that stops right by mm -hmm. in case mm -hmm. they don't have immediate mm -hmm. transportation and uh, uh, things like that. Yep. You know, it's very important because employees don't like to travel, right? You know, no matter, uh, I used to manage a higher high tech company and basically even then, if, if you get an employee that's more than about 30 minutes away from his base, mm -hmm. they don't stay very long. They're looking for something that's 20 minutes away, 15 minutes away. I and think, that's with traffic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think you both brought an interesting point is you're talking about demographics. You're talking about income, density, ethnicity. Um, a good realtor can get those for you. Uh, you could, there's, obviously, you could call the city. Uh, usually, there's a development person or a chamber of commerce. County has people. But um, I think it's important to figure out who your clientele is and where are your workers coming from. So then let me throw this question. And I, I don't, especially as a marketing person, I'm used to dealing with all those uh, verticals or, or demographic profiles. But the one, how do you see, because you uh, actually have a very interesting viewpoint on it, but how do you see uh, generational diversity in areas? Where do they tend to be distributed? And how does that affect, I guess, location, location, location? One of the things that we're running into right now is the, is the um, what do we call it? Yeah, the demographics for the new generation. And okay. I think what we're finding is that they're more attuned to having a cleaning service than even the generation before that hmm. uh, because they're finding themselves, like Kristen is, extremely busy uh -huh. and, you know, with a job or a business and several kids and it's becoming not uh, a nice thing to have. It's becoming a necessity. And nice. uh, uh, when the downturn happened in 2000, 2008, and I think Kristen can attune to this, we didn't lose that much business. And it, it kind of surprised me because, hmm. uh, you know, I thought, well, here we go. <laughs> this is the end, yeah. you know. But uh, as opposed to some of the, uh, our other uh, business friends who uh -huh. completely went down down the yeah. drain during that time. And I think the millennials or the young people are, the are more, I think right. generally, and I'm, this is not crazy to generalize, but I think they're more urban. Mm -hmm. I think they're more, they like to live near the downtowns, near the train stations. They can 
live anywhere, you know, in Chicago, we have so many different train lines. There's mm -hmm. probably a dozen of them from north, west, south. So um, I think that they like to be in the urban setting. And so if you're wanting to do a coffee franchise, you want to be downtown, I would think, by them. They spend money, and that's where they're at. Now, as they talk about generational, though, I think you also find that most of them, once they decide to settle down and they have their families, maybe a little bit later now than in the past, that's when you see the suburban sprawl happen and they come mm -hmm. out our way. Um, so one thing I was wondering when you asked your question and you talk about generational um, demographics, you know, let's just say, for example, 10 years ago, where I put my office happened to be the great demographic for my workers. Mm -hmm. But then the next generation, maybe they don't live still right here in this neighborhood. They've moved maybe towards the city, maybe it's to another um, area here in the western suburbs. Those are things you have to take into consideration, too, and I think people, when you're signing leases, have to be very careful mm -hmm. about what is the length of the lease that you sign, yeah. because if my business changes, if we're at a generational shift, so to speak, and people decide to move from this location to two or three towns over, I don't necessarily want to sign a 10-year lease, mm -hmm. because maybe in five years, I need to move my business just a little bit. Mm -hmm. Maybe we find there's a big... Um, a big spike in gas prices again and more and more people use public transportation. I need to make sure I'm more closely aligned with train stations and more bus lines and things of that nature to make it even easier. So that's probably something, Joe, that you can talk to as far as and what is the right yeah. length of a lease when you're new in business? Uh, that's a great question. I think generally most people sign five-year leases, but then you also would get options, one, two, or even, you know, at least at least two, so you're there for, you know, you'd be a five-year lease with two five-year options, so you could be there 15 years, and at the end of five years, if it doesn't work for you, you can move. At the end of 10 years, same thing. You can do a three-year lease if you're worried about the area. Generally, no one does leases less than three years because yeah. it's just like moving a house. Moving sucks. Uh -huh. No, it's <laughs> work. It does. Let me ask you something. Um, you mentioned Meineke's earlier, and mm -hmm. uh, places that do, franchises that do uh, car stuff, automotive stuff, they, I know they've got special, uh, let's call it hazardous material requirement handling. Mm -hmm. How, if I'm going into a Meineke, am I only signing a five-year lease, or am I really looking to sign then more like the 10, which is what you're saying. Mm -hmm. As a Mali, I mean, I want to do that. Right. That's so it's a great question. I think the franchises, whether it's automotive or restaurant, the more capital you have to put in, the more, you know, if it costs 250000 or 300000 open up a sub shop, you're probably not going to move it in five years. So, mm -hmm. but I think it's a great question. The automotive costs a lot to open as well. So I think the more more money that you have to it costs to open one, the probably the longer lease you're going to do. But you know, if you negotiate hard, you can still do five-year leases with two or three five-year options versus a ten-year lease with one or two. So I don't think it matters that much. The only time it really matters if the landlord's going to put in money, then he's going to want a longer lease so he can amortize his improvements. So then, I guess my question, since I have three people who know are highly knowledgeable on real estate and leasing it from one way, one way or another. I will ask all of you, but we'll let Kristen answer first. Um, why didn't, why, when do you buy? When do you buy the building? Mm, that's a great question. I think buying a building, <clears throat> a lot of our um, colleagues, Ray and I, have, have just recently uh, started to purchase their buildings. And I think that that happens when you get cash flow and assets to a point where it becomes tax advantageous. 
Um, that's when you look to pay yourself rent. Um, I think uh, that's probably the most critical time. You don't want to necessarily do it in the very beginning because often you don't know how much capital or um, things you're going to need for the first few years to stay open. But I would say that's when you want to look at it is when your cash flow is, is positive, you've built up some assets, and it's tax advantageous to do something creative like that. Yep. Uh, I don't see myself uh, uh, purchasing at all at this point because we went from, we started the business in North Aurora. Uh, we were at about 600 square feet, which worked great for about five or six years. And then we started stepping over each other. <laughs> so uh, we moved about two and a half years ago and I signed a six year lease. Uh, the build out was, for me was about 50,000. And then I think the, the, the landlord put in another 50,000. So <laughs> we signed a six year lease on that one because, you know, but at the same time, I don't know if I'm going to be able to stay there because we are growing. And even though it sounds like a lot of square footage, our so you could buy the building. <laughs> that's a, well, you're familiar with the building. It's a 75 executive drive and that's a Mm-hmm. Plug for my <laughs> for, for, for the landlord. He's a good landlord. Yeah, uh, but uh, they're out of Waco, Texas. But uh, there's a, a lot of other uh, mm-hmm. units in there that they do. And I guess it's what do they call that? A class A building, a class B building. Um, it has an atrium in the middle. It's guy. nice yeah. looking. Yeah, and and that brings to another point wait, wait, for location. Let's let the expert answer the question. Well, I think think you both really hit it on the head. You Mm -hmm. can't buy, typically, unless you've been in business three years. So you need the cash flow, and then you also have to have at least 10% down to get an SBA loan, which is the the lowest down payment, which is 10%, versus the conventional loan would be 25, maybe 20%. You need to have at least 10% down. But if it's a business like Ray's that is growing like crazy, it's probably not a good idea to buy. If it's a car franchise or a restaurant where, you know, the, the Dunkin' Donuts says it's 1,600 square feet and that's it, that's the prototype, it's not going to change, at that point, you, you know, after a few years, you may want to buy. Mm-hmm. And I think you only want to buy if it's great real estate. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's great, you know, even if there's not that many tax advantages anymore if it's not somewhere that can if you leave you can either sell or you can release quickly mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. very similar to buying a house right exactly location, yeah. location, location, location. i love that answer <laughs> because you just confirm my long-term view for my little company that they're going to pry me out of my office three days after i'm dead because i'm going to own that building <laughs> But there's one point I want to bring I up. have location, location, location. Go ahead. Brad. And recently at our convention, they, they made this point, and uh, I found it to be extreme, extremely true. With our employees, uh, our former location, I wouldn't call it a dump, but, you know, it wasn't as nice as the one we're in now. Mm-hmm. And I noticed the morale picked up tremendously mm-hmm. when yeah. we moved into this Class A building. And even though they said, oh, I don't want to drive that extra two and a half miles or whatever it was, you know, mm-hmm. they all came back and they all stayed with us. Yeah. But I noticed morale, as Kristen has noticed, because yeah. of this beautiful location, it's a good work environment. People mm-hmm. feel good about themselves. They feel good about coming to work. Mm-hmm. Right. That's important. That's really mm-hmm. important. Mm-hmm. Location where there's light, right. you know, safe. It's yes. Clean. Mm-hmm. Clean. 
Mm-hmm. Clean. <laughs> <laughs> Very clean. Says the May, Molly May franchise. <laughs> Very so, all, right. Yeah. all right, so part of what we're talking about, and I want to, I don't know, I want to ask you about something I noticed that you were president of, which is Aurora Business United. Right, so I have a networking group I started uh, five or six years ago, and it's a free networking group. We meet uh, the second Friday of every month in the morning, and then we meet uh, from April until October, the non-winter, non-holiday months. We meet the fourth Wednesday, typically. It's a big group. We have 80 to 100 people, and it's just free networking. We have like an hour of networking in the morning meetings and then two speakers, and the evening is just pure networking mm-hmm. with a bar. So it's fun. Oh. Well, I think I now, I, I was going to say Ray will be there, but now I know Kristen will be there. <laughs> I might even be there if I'm around. But okay, so um, go ahead, Ray. Let me, let me, let me uh, keep going with the networking, because the yeah, networking yeah, is yeah. really, in my opinion, really important, even for a franchisee where you buy it and the franchise source says, here's your advertising and marketing program. Mm-hmm. To me, I think the greatest things I've ever done for my business is joined Rotary, which is a mm-hmm. big service. So I'm, I'm coming to that one. Okay. But uh, there's also Kiwanis and Lions. Uh-huh. Right. But then enough. just pure networking through your chamber or meetup, meetup.com. Mm-hmm. You put in your area, Bakersfield, California, uh, networking, and you'll get one or two groups. Most of them are free. It's a breakfast or lunch. Or, mm-hmm. um, I think that's really important for franchisees to get out mm-hmm. to the community. I'm, I'm a member of both chambers right now, both in Naperville and Aurora. And uh, unfortunately, I don't attend many of the meetings. Uh, but He's too busy on the radio. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm too busy. Too busy. Sorry. National audience <laughs> now. And I think that's what chambers are for. I think mm-hmm. you get as much out of it as you put into it. That's so, so mm-hmm. true. You yep. agree? Okay. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. I used to be a lot more active in the chamber and, mm-hmm. were, and was a member of many more chambers. But as we got busier and, you know, the kids get older and your time is so yeah. torn, something has to give. And sometimes the meetings were not necessarily at the right time. Mm-hmm. So you do more uh, after-hour right. meetings as opposed to maybe the morning meetings when that's when our business kicks off and gets crazy. Mm-hmm. But um, part of it is in the networking is just making sure that you're top of mind. So if somebody says, right. oh, you know, guys, I have to go and clean my house. I'm so frustrated and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Hey, well, just call Kristen, right? Or oh, I've got to, I've got to look for a new location for my building. The landlord's terrible. Hey, I know this guy Judd yeah. who does commercial real estate. Give him right, a call. Right. Yeah. And it's all about being top of mind mm-hmm. when people are having coffee conversations or the water cooler discussions. You know, mm-hmm. that that's what you want to be. Right. I I get that. I, I don't disagree. Networking is is very important. Otherwise, obviously, I would not be sitting here with all three of you. <laughs> I just do it slightly differently, my own mm-hmm. weird way. So, um, and, and that's obviously when we're talking networking, we're talking about the third pillar of franchise success, which is growing, growing your opportunity. But you, you started to touch on a fourth, uh, the fourth pillar, which is giving back to the community. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Ray works with the, uh, there's a Miss Molly Foundation, which is part of, our uh, organization to Molly made mm-hmm. um, and uh, we some will do uh, interviews with 
the CEO or executive director, sorry, of, mm-hmm. oh my God, I'm going to screw it up, Common Ground, Mutual Ground. Mutual Ground. Yeah, Mutual Ground. Mutual Ground. Blast it. Yeah. And I screw that up. <laughs> Michelle time. Meyer. I'm sorry, Michelle. <laughs> we'll get you on the month before yeah. October, so we'll get yes. you on September for the... So we're going to get uh, Michelle Meyer along with uh, the, uh, oh, what's her name, in Miss Molly. Michelle um, yeah. Robles? Robles, yes. So we're going to get it's them on together. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're going to get them on together, uh, hopefully. And uh, uh, hopefully uh, Michelle Meyer isn't listening because I haven't contacted her yet. She doesn't know this, but I know she will. <laughs> <laughs> we'll come to news in a bit, my friend. <clears throat> so, and... Kristen works with? So I work with um, Stephanie Stones out of Roselle and Family Shelter Service in DuPage County. Uh, that's what's in the Smalley uh, Foundation as well. And then um, obviously it's out of time with PPA. Cub Scouts Habitat for Humanity. We did several houses with them when I worked for Home Depot. Um, and the Rotary, my daughter actually in seventh and eighth grade, uh, School District 54 up in Schaumburg, has an Interact Club. And so she was awarded um, a Volunteer of the Year Award a couple weeks ago for helping with the Rotary mm-hmm. Interact Club. So it's a great thing when you're out there as a business owner and you involve your children because next thing you know, they become the philanthropist. Philanthropist, that's a big word, uh, as well. And it's a ton of fun to get your help. So I love the fact that the last one in there was Rotary mm-hmm. because Judd, from what I understand, is a past president of Rotary. Correct. Mm-hmm. So tell us about that. Tell us how you came to be there and what's your what do you feel the biggest accomplishments you made when you were there? Okay. Um, Rotary is one of the largest service organizations in the world. It was started by a lawyer in Chicago over a hundred years ago. And we have uh, 33,000 clubs in over 200 countries, and there's 1.2 million or so Rotarians. And in 1985, Rotary is a worldwide club said, we're going to end polio, not your basic lunch club. <laughs> so since 1985, we've immunized billions of kids, and Bill Gates has given us, I think we're up to like $355 million in matching grants. Wow. And it's a big worldwide organization. And... Uh, as president, I got to go to England, and I took my son, and we met Jane Goodall, hmm. who, Pretty if cool. you haven't yep. seen the new movie about Jane Goodall, it's fabulous. It's inspirational. Um, but I think I got our Aurora Rotary Club back into going to work to volunteer at Hesed House. There's a homeless mm-hmm. shelter in Aurora where there's about 200 men and women that um, we serve dinner and breakfast to once a quarter. And then I, because I don't work with the homeless, I started, I started Streetwise Homeless Organization in 1992, and we've got Rotary involved with helping with Streetwise, the homeless, the homeless volunteers. So I think Rotary, probably any service club, is probably the best thing you could ever do for your business is to join it and go. Yeah. Make mm-hmm. great friends and relationships. So, and that's actually... Um, and I, I do want to come back, and Ray wants to come back to the streetwise, but um, to tie it back into the real estate, how does uh, how does uh, giving back to the community through a not-for-profit or things like that? How does that how does that impact the business? 
Well, one of the things I think we need to uh, talk about, who is Miss Molly? Uh, is this, uh, we didn't make that clear. And basically, it, it's, it's about domestic violence awareness. In other words, uh, mutual ground is a place where you go if you're having domestic violence problems, mm-hmm. okay? And what we do in Miss Molly is we're making people aware of that. And it's amazing. I, I know Kristen has done estimates. I've done estimates on, on potential clients. And we just happen to mention about the Miss Molly Foundation and making people aware that there is help available for this. And people nice. <laughs> become, uh, uh, how should I say, touched is very touched really about it because that. they didn't know that there was any help available. They think the only thing you can do is call the police, and of course that's a negative aspect of it, mm-hmm. whereas Mutual Ground and uh, uh, Miss Molly uh, provides funds to uh, places like Mutual Ground who does counseling, mm-hmm. and, and that is much more important uh, than you know just calling the cops. <laughs> I, I think that reality is, is that all three of us sitting here, or four of us, I'm more excited now that I've, I've been in business 30 years. I'm more excited about helping a homeless person get his truck driver's license back so we can get his life back together than making some great real estate deal. Absolutely. And I, you know, I think that I think it goes a long way, and I think it. I think when you give, it just feels good. It does. Know? It does. Absolutely. There's no doubt about it. So then we'll start with Kristen. Do you think? Did it ever, because we've talked quite extensively on when you were selecting, the checking the boxes on selecting the right opportunity, mm-hmm. uh, finding your franchise, did the, the, the causes that you had play a role in selecting the real estate or your location when you did? I would say yes and no. So. Um, Kind of the giving back and the Miss Molly and the domestic violence that kind of all encompassed wasn't necessarily the strongest reason why I chose this office location. Um, however, statistically, in some demographics, whether it be via income or or ethnic background or whatnot, um, some are more common with domestic violence than others. Um, although it is still one in every four women in a room either have been or know someone who has been negatively affected by domestic violence. So, um, you know, we talked before a couple times that we've had several people who've worked here who were domestic violence victims. And, you know, because of the work we did, we're able to get them some of the resources, the free legal help, you know, lawyers that donate their time and resume writers to help them get back on their feet and, and get jobs. So I don't know that that necessarily was the one thing that brought me to this location. However, it kind of goes hand in hand with the demographic I was looking for in terms of employees. And I think it want, I think for me, I, I've had my business in the same spot in Aurora for 20 years. I moved about, I, I was downtown for five years, then moved further out for 15 years. Now I'm moving back to downtown. But I think for me, it's just being present and being engaged in the community and being local. You know, I yep. live and work in Aurora. For me, that works and feel I can give back more that way. I know when Mar- Martha and I were looking for a franchise, that was priority, is being able to give back to the community one way or another. We're looking for an organization. 
a franchise that had that built into it. Nice. And uh, that's the reason we chose. Now, we already lived in Aurora, Naperville area, which I you know, did my demographic research and, and felt that that was a really good location. And I think that turned out to be true. Um, we ended up expanding our franchise uh, seven, eight years ago. A couple times. Yeah, a couple <laughs> times. It's really interesting. I wonder how many franchisors really have a charity program. Obviously, many do, but yeah, not all. I know, no, absolutely. I bet, I bet it's. I guess it's only fifty percent of that, mm-hmm. right? And, and you kind of wonder why, because it's not as a franchise or it doesn't cost them much to have no. one. And when the franchisees are out there doing kind of the the work, so to speak, mm-hmm. um, you know, there's there's nothing but good things to gain. And yeah. you know, I always tell my kids, you get what you give, and do the things yeah. that make you feel good and I think that um, you know my past experience and in my previous career taught me that very early on and you know I'm glad to be able to share that with my kids now and obviously they enjoy doing it too and it did make a big difference to me this was the only franchise that I spoke to uh, that offered a way to give back and it was one of the questions that they had outlined it but one of the questions that I continued to uh, seek more information on because it was so important to me. Mm-hmm. But you have to be part of the fabric of the community, I think right. is the, the way I described it before. Excellent. And, and yeah. that's just mm-hmm. really what you want to be. Again, it's, yeah. it's a relationship. You give back to the customers that give to you for your mm-hmm. families, and mm-hmm. yeah. it really just makes the world a better place. So what I'm hearing from all of you is localization and personalization of your businesses in marketing is essential for success because your inner brand should flow through. Mm-hmm. True. And, but I, I will say about location that I think you want to be local, um, but I don't think you have to be, you know, like in the exact same city you live in. As long as you're close mm-hmm. by. I think people who buy franchises like an hour away because mm-hmm. maybe they bought it from someone else or whatever, it's never a good idea. I think driving people get tired of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's, and then, you know, as a, startup franchise see, you're working a lot of hours right yeah. <laughs> right so if you're adding 45 minutes each way 90 minutes a day commuting yeah I'm 13 minutes away yeah so I yeah. live in Roselle yeah it's just enough time to kind of decompress before you yeah. walk in the door to be right. greeted by two dogs three kids <laughs> a dragon and you know whatever yeah. animals they brought home for the day right um, and, and so, Wait, yeah, that's a dragon. Yeah, I thought it was an iguana. No, it was a bearded dragon. His name is Matt. Oh. And a gecko named Steve, but she's a girl. Oh, expletive, expletive, expletive. So I, my point is, I give yourself that breath of fresh right, air, right? Yeah. Both to and from, because you that's should come do your best yeah. thinking and, and really decompressing. You need those few extra minutes. If I just mm-hmm. walked to the backyard to home, I wouldn't have that time to kind of make right. my to-do list and set priorities for the day. Yeah, it it's nice to be close to your office, but yep. location as in regards to your clientele and your employee base takes priority over that. It yeah. has to. Right. At least I know for our franchise, yeah. the Molly made franchise. Yeah, we do have a couple yeah. franchisees that have opened, say as as you talked about, mm-hmm. an hour from their office. Mm-hmm. And the huge disadvantage that some of those have in speaking with them is that they are not familiar with the area. Mm-hmm. They like mm-hmm. I am very familiar with this area since mm-hmm. I moved back here in 2002. I've always been in Northwest DuPage. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
they live way up by the state line and they're kind of in the central DuPage County. Yeah. They're not familiar with it because they don't live there. So if you say, well, don't you know where the McDonald's is at the corner of mm. Route, Route 83 and you know North Avenue? Now they have no clue what I'm talking about <laughs> yeah. because it's not their normal thing. And you, you learn it over mm. time, mm -hmm. but there's a lot to be said for an area that, well, you may not live there, you're familiar with. Mm -hmm. True, really true. And then I think also looking at if you if you're really aggressive and want to do maybe multiple franchises, mm -hmm. look at the franchise and then look around it and see what else is available because you don't want to go from X location to an hour the nearest next one open if something just northeast, southeast, or west of you within 10, you know, the next location is mm -hmm. open mm -hmm. and you want to do two or three locations. I think that's important to look at when you're picking yeah. a franchise. Absolutely. Then you develop your managers for that location and then you can... You know, right. move on to a different location and, you know, hopefully take what you develop here and move that same ethos over to that new right. location. Because I think that's the hardest thing for you franchisees, right, is to finding good management uh -huh. help when you're not there. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And Once you, you find them, you can't let them go. Yep. Right. Yep. <laughs> Absolutely. Right. And that's, that's a great 100% right on, on that. A great system. reason to buy a second location because you might lose them if you don't, right? That's right. And, you know, we have mm -hmm. some owners that have um, – given their managers who've been there for a long time equity, mm -hmm. you know, so then they become part of mm -hmm. the company. And, you know, we do a 401k here for our girls. Nice. We don't do anything that gives them company ownership at this particular point, but anything that helps keep the employees engaged and makes them feel like mm -hmm. they're getting yeah. something back from the company, um, I think helps. And, Absolutely. You know, yep. you see the entourages that sometimes come to convention, mm -hmm. and you know they they all come with you know the one owner because they all own a piece of franchise now mm -hmm. because yeah. that's how they've been able to manage mm -hmm. multiple locations. And I think you both brought up a good look, good thing earlier that you to, it's hard to find people, so you know you got to be able to find people near your location, right? Mm -hmm. If you're in a super high income area and you're employing people at lower wages, it's going to be difficult. Sure. Mm -hmm. So, and, and who's the biggest employer in this country? Franchises. Yeah. Right. There you yeah. go. I'm correct, the, right? One of the franchises <laughs> that I talked to when we were looking to buy, one of our direct competitors, actually, when I talked to her, she said, you know, the hardest thing for me is to find people. And I said, well, where's your office? And she told me, and I said, oh, well, she's in, in Bartlett, which is a nicer mm -hmm. community. Of course she has trouble finding people who want to clean houses in Bartlett. Bartlett right. is not a, a community that has the proper demographic necessarily to fuel, you know, mm -hmm. the employment of a, of a Molly Maid, or in this case, a different mm -hmm. maid service. Right, right. So. so I think it's important when you're going to pick a location for your franchise to look at the price of housing around there, the, mm -hmm. to buy, to mm -hmm. rent. Is there, is, is there even a rental market? Right. Mm -hmm. Rentals have been tight the last few years. Yeah. Prices yeah. are going up. It's crazy. Mm -hmm. It used to be... A dollar a foot, so a thousand square foot apartments, a thousand a month. Now it's more like, you know, closer to a dollar fifty to even two dollars for premium wow. stuff. And think about yeah. that. You guys are only in the Chicagoland area. Think yeah, about it. Like in California. Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Which is yeah. why, like I said earlier, three days after I'm dead, do they take me out of that building? <laughs> but at least if you find, uh, at least if you can find rental market or housing that isn't too expensive, I think you brought up a great point, Kristen, is to be convenient to a bus or a train so they can get to you. Yeah. Even yeah. if they have to take a 15-minute bus, if they can't get there and they have to car and gas and, you know, yeah. The, yeah. The public transportation, I think, is key. We've yeah. had some franchises that also will um, allow their employees to take their cars home. 
because they're in a location that uh, is not close by their employees. However, for the real estate deal they have, it just makes more sense to allow the girls to carpool with the Molly made car back and forth. They get cars on the road, so it's yeah. advertising. The girls have very specific yeah. rules in which they can drive the cars where, when, mm-hmm. and, and so forth. Yes. And so those are creative ways, I think, yeah. that uh, franchisees may need to explore if you, for whatever reason, don't have your mm-hmm. office in a location. I mean, mm-hmm. if we were in the city right now, it's a totally different story because you can hop on a bus to anywhere. A cab mm-hmm. is cheap most of the yep. time. Or you Subway, Uber, right? right. Yeah, but unfortunately... The Uber. Suburbs, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Lyft. Yeah, whatever, whatever one you choose. So unfortunately, the suburbs just haven't, haven't caught up yet with uh, public transportation to the same degree that the cities have. Correct, yeah. Since we've gone back a little bit about location and, and renting, what should a prospective buyer of a franchise look for in, in a lease um, how should they negotiate that? You know, mm-hmm. what should they be aware of? What are some of the pitfalls that they can that they uh, can get into? So I think if you're you know kind of picked an area, the first thing to do would be to get a market analysis. And just like a house, you know, compared to market analysis, what are prices going for? You can get you can analyze or have your realtor analyze for you uh, what are rents. You know, right. typically between sixteen and twenty dollars a foot kind of thing. So I think you want to look at the, the rents. I think you want to look at um, the age of the buildings. Mm-hmm. Uh, pitfalls would be, the biggest pitfall, I think, in leasing or is common area maintenance charges. So mm-hmm. most leases are triple net leases. So you pay the landlord's property taxes, insurance, and common area maintenance. And when I say you pay it, so if you're in a, most shopping centers are about 10,000 feet to maybe 15. So let's say you're in a 10,000 square foot shopping center, you have the end space that's 2,000 feet, so you have 20%. So if his taxes are $30,000, you pay your percentage, your Mm -hmm. 20% of the taxes. 20% of his insurance, let's say it's $5,000, you pay, you know, 1,000. And then the common area maintenance, in the suburbs is probably generally three dollars a foot to four dollars a foot. So that's where, Ray, to answer your question, that's the biggest pitfall. Is it a really old building? Is the parking lot old? Is the lighting old? Does it need a painting? Does it need a facelift? Um, because when you have to the tenant, the franchisee has to pay the common area maintenance. Um, that's where you can really that would, yeah. that would be called the CAM, right? CAM, correct. Yeah, yeah. I'll yeah. tell you, we uh, have been in this particular undisclosed location <laughs> for uh, 13 years now, and for the first 10, I never played paid CAM. Mm-hmm. And then year 11, I got a CAM bill for like 80 something dollars. Mm-hmm. And then the next year, I got a CAM bill for $876. Right. And then the building sold, and somebody new came in honoring the lease, and all of a sudden, I needed light bulbs changed. And I got billed two hundred and fifty dollars to change four light bulbs. And then I was told, by the way, now you're going to be paying forty um, percent of the total water bill in your building because you wash laundry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now it was in the lease that you may be asked to pay your water mm-hmm. and blah blah blah. But in thirteen years, until last month, I yeah. had never been asked to do that. So um, I think that's interesting too, as 
someone who suddenly decides to start collecting CAM, what does that look like? Because you see our parking lots are still terrible. <laughs> right. Well, so most leases are either what's called a gross lease where you pay just 2000 a month gross, you pay the total, mm -hmm. or they're the triple net where you pay these other items, and sometimes it's a modified gross where you'll say it's 2000 a month, but if the property taxes go up over the current base year of, say, 30000 you pay your 20% of the increase. Mm -hmm. So I think you need to look at the area and try and uh, maybe talk to a realtor, lawyer, even the local assessor. How are property taxes in the area? Mm -hmm. Well, the area, if he says the area is, or she, the area is really going up, gentrifying, taxes are going up, and you have to pay your percentage of it, you have to be careful. Right. Because you said 800. I've had clients had to pay 8,000. Wow. Mm. Yeah. Right. I mean, right. and then if you have a bad year of snow plowing in the Midwest, mm -hmm. you pay your percentage of snow plowing, it could be very expensive. So right. one of the pitfalls is to get a real estate broker and lawyer who really know retail and office leases for your mm -hmm. franchise because sure. they can, when we negotiate things, we will try and limit the camp. We'll mm -hmm. say, okay, well, anything you can control can only go up, say, 5% a year and no more than 20% over five years. Try and limit the controllable things. You can't necessarily limit snow plowing because sure. we have some good years and bad years, but and then you can negotiate management fees, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Some some landlords will put in a management fee of say 5% of the collected rent, plus an admin fee. They'll add on another 10 or 15%. So you really have to, yes, you have to read the fine print mm -hmm. and have a real estate lawyer, not a realtor, read the lease and negotiate hard on all these things. So I got a question then. Um, you said somebody should get some. Have, do you know of any web websites they could go to where they could find somebody like that for a lawyer or realtor or yeah yes you could go to my website <laughs> Fred thank you I've got that card right here handy <laughs> so why don't you tell us what that is okay everybody's wondering okay so my real estate website is www.jl like John Larry Holdings www.jlholdings.com and my lawyer website is uh, auroraproperty.law.com Now, um, Kristen chided Ray and actually me because we are at an undisclosed uh, location <laughs> that when you I asked get out on the web but. <laughs> when I asked Ray why I'm sweaty he did actually discuss the weather but neglected to tell us where we are today, right? <laughs> Where are we today? Well, I think Kristen needs to. We are in beautiful Glendale Heights, Illinois. We're at the um, Molly made a Bloomingdale office, and I apologize too much baseball. I think this past week I'm going horse. Um, <laughs> and we're located uh, again right off Army Trail Road, near Bloomingdale Road. And the phone number is because we're not going to try to do the website. Okay. <laughs> For Molly Maid, the easiest for anyone to remember and get your local office, since we are on a national program, is to dial 1-800-MOLLY-MAID, and it will get you to the proper office uh, where you live. Yes, just yeah. put in your zip code. Yep, 1-800-MOLLY-MAID. All right, so I, I, I got a couple of questions, but I do want to talk about our news um, before we jump into the last stretch. Mm -hmm. uh, you remember our, our friend Nick Neonakis from... Uh, last month? Yes. Mm -hmm. uh, the CEO of the franchise uh, consulting company. Mm -hmm. 
and that's where we learn Greek. <laughs> <laughs> Just the last name alone is great. Yes. And, and, well, Nick is a real cool guy, and, and yes. everybody should meet him. Um, and he's one of those people, he and his company, obviously, are one of those people that can help you um, find the right opportunity. Mm -hmm. But um, he's going to be sponsoring, or the franchise consulting company is going to be sponsoring Pillars of Franchising. Uh, Ray and I will be broadcasting live from some of uh, friend Expo USA uh, events and amazingly enough doing presentations on marketing together to franchisors, right? Oh, sounds cool. What beautiful city will that be in? Well, right now that's still to be determined, but I'm thinking... Somewhere fabulous. <laughs> Denver, Santa Clara, nice. and Phoenix. Okay. Nice. Better than, no offense, I don't really want to go to Detroit in case I was invited, you know. Well. <laughs> Been there, done that. Yeah. Nothing wrong with it, but I'd rather go somewhere a little more. Well, well if we're going to Phoenix, make sure it's in the wintertime. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, I, I, I am, so if you want to find out when it is, and I don't have it on my dashboard here, go to FranNet Expo, sorry, FranExpoUSA.com. FranExpoUSA.com. Again, FranExpoUSA.com. What was that again? <laughs> I went to University of Michigan. Detroit is coming back. It yes. is. It really is. Yes. It is. Yeah. You know, um, if you watch HGTV, you'll see that little blind girl. She's doing a good job rehabbing over there. Oh, I see. Okay, cool. Yeah. And uh, it's time. You know, it's it's. Uh, they've had some certain struggles. I grew up in that state. I actually went to Michigan State University, mm -hmm. so we were enemies, frenemies now, we'll call it. All right. Um, but yeah, it, it's nice Cage to match. see it come back. Yeah. The whole area with the sports complex down there um, mm -hmm. by Tiger, not Tiger Stadium anymore, I guess. Yeah. Mm -hmm. but uh, Ford Field, they call it. Yeah, it has really... Has really and a new Tiger Stadium, our new hockey stadium. The little yeah, yeah it's like a whole complex yeah. down there. My son was yeah. there and had a great time. Now, there's an interesting one. So I went to... Wrong show. Wrong oh. show. That shows if you're talking about sports, you need to be either Mike Bowler or Jim Trelevin need to be a co-host on this. <laughs> I was just talking about how Domino's Pizza started in Ann Arbor. And oh, yeah. Little, no, okay. little Caesars started in Detroit, and Little Caesars, the owner of Little Caesars, owns the Detroit Red Wings. Oh, really? Yes. Interesting. And yeah. where is our headquarters? Ann Arbor. Hey, yeah. beautiful Ann Arbor, just yeah. outside Ann Arbor's of Detroit. It's a great town. Wow. Cool. It's, yeah, it's, it's like the big little city, right? Yes. It's like Grand Rapids. Yeah, right. right. Yeah. Yeah. I know, big little city. How does that make sense? Mm. I'm, I'm, I'm still remembering that last drive I took up to Ann Arbor and nearly dying on the road. <laughs> Twice in the snowstorm, so mm -hmm. and the, the lock keys in the car. So yeah, I don't have fun feelings. But there, um, one of uh, one of Judd's specialties has kind of an, um, is estate planning, mm -hmm. which, as you know, the the end goal of any our our pillars of franchising is to pass the opportunity on somebody Absolutely. else. Yes. So, Judd, how does uh, estate planning affect leasing. Interesting. Well, the first thing I would say is if you're going to own a franchise and it's not out of your house, I would definitely uh, incorporate in your local state. I wouldn't bother with Delaware or Nevada. It's, it's just not worth it. But, you know, Delaware is for people that want to do public corporations, you know, like mm -hmm. the stock exchange companies. And other states may have no tax 
you know, income tax, but you still have to register Illinois anyway. So anyway, I would incorporate first, and then depending on if it's a limited liability company or a regular corporation, you could put the uh, stock in the company in a living trust. Mm-hmm. You know, so if something happens to you, it automatically passes to whoever you want it, whether it's your spouse or your children. Um, so I think it's a great question, Brad, that people don't think about enough because stuff does happen, and you want to make sure that you know, and that's it. You want to make sure you have you've thought it through. What do you, what do you want? And it, and it may not be your. It may not be. I've had clients that will will you know put in their will they want to sell it. To their key employee who's been their their manager for 10 or 15 years if they want to buy it or they'll even offer to finance it because they you know feel indebted to them so i think i think a succession plan for all small businesses is, is, is a great idea mm-hmm. absolutely i'm yeah, in the, you're I, too young Christmas. i'm in the middle of doing that right now oh okay we should talk about that so right? I'm, I'm, about I'm, I'm fortunate <laughs> enough uh, i have one son who's in the business with me awesome. and uh, a daughter-in-law now cool. so uh we're, we got both families involved in, in the business, you yeah. know, one through the, directly through the son and one through the daughter-in-law. So I'm going to say that's good and bad. The good is you have somebody that you can know, know you can pass it on for your mm-hmm. clients to. The bad maybe is you have to be careful. So in the sense that you want to have a good agreement that here's the price. Mm-hmm. And then um, since you have a spouse, if something happens to you, you want to get like life insurance. So let's say the value is 200000 just to throw a number mm-hmm. out you would get like 200000 in term insurance. And then if something happens to you, the term insurance goes to your wife, the business goes to, you know, you sell it to your kids or whatever, or the key employee. Yeah, that was the original intent when I opened the business. I, I got term Good. Insurance. Okay, great. Yeah, You're way so, ahead of the game. Yeah, uh, enough to cover existing mortgage on the home and mm-hmm. to keep the business going for a while. So I've kept up with that. Yeah. So that's uh, part of it. Uh, but... Uh, uh, things do happen, and uh, I guess it's okay to mention that my wife passed away in December, right. mm-hmm. and she was a key integral part of the business, and uh, she's sorely missed, but we, we are carrying on with her legacy, awesome. and uh, doing good. Actually, good. Martha was one of the, the key, um, what, what would I say, she was one of the key creative geniuses behind this radio show, wow. and Ray's audio and and audio career mm-hmm. awesome. yes um someday we will release the videos <laughs> <laughs> and everyone can hear right <laughs> so we're, we're 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 starting to head there ray what topics do you want to hit anything else what else you want to talk about oh i i think we hit quite a few of them um i think having judd here has been enlightening uh, Kristen, you have something? I, I do have a question for him. Sure. Um, so as we talked about, and I'm going to go back to the whole taxes thing and, and such, you know, and you talked about, you know, if you have 20% of the building, maybe you have to pay 20% of the taxes mm-hmm. in the common area maintenance. Is it okay, should you as a tenant request to see that yeah. bed tax bill? So, or you just blindly pay No, it? absolutely. Great, great question, Kristen, that... Typically, the landlord has to give you a written reconciliation within 90 days after the lease after the lease year is up. Most of them are December, right, huh. annual. But absolutely, they should show you the reconciliation. And if taxes is one of the obviously biggest expenses, 
You would, could even ask to see the tax bill. I mean, you can go online and see the tax bill. Sure. But maybe the snowplow bill. You know, because honestly, some landlords, most landlords are good, but let's say mm-hmm. the landlord hires his brother to do snow plowing at a ridiculous, you know, price right. or mm-hmm. landscaping. So absolutely, there should be a line item, property taxes, maintenance, snow plowing, landscaping, electric, repairs, you know. Well, I hope some of our um, tenants in this area are listening today because I will say that that's one of the things that kind of talk about co- the water cooler conversations we have out in the in the uh, pothole parking lot yeah. is how you know we're all getting hit with these big bills, but nobody mm-hmm. seems to know why or where they came from because we're not seeing anything change. Mm-hmm. And I was a little kind of nervous to say, hey, if you're asking for this money, I want to see why. Absolutely. And so that's good to know that as a yeah. tenant, you absolutely have the right to say, if you're going to charge me, I need to see that bill. And beyond that, if your parking lot needs fixing, your lease should say that he should fix it. And if he doesn't, you know, almost no leases allow the tenant to do the repair and deduct the rent. But that doesn't mean that you can't, you know, try to do that. Mm -hmm. And sometimes the landlord just doesn't have the money. Mm -hmm. So you and the tenants get together and fix it and just deduct it. The landlord could be happy. You never know. Yeah, yeah, that sounds like really good well, advice. You said the guy lives out of state for years. Mm-hmm. Maybe he just doesn't want to deal with it. Yeah. yeah. He'd be thrilled yeah. for you to do it. Yeah. Yeah. We have out-of-state landlords that mm-hmm. love it when the tenants do the work. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and I will say that in our office, we we the building members take care of the uh, building, I guess. Maintenance? Mm-hmm. Yeah, take care of maintenance. Uh, we just put new carpet in our office and... Um, the whole upper floor has had or re, has been redone, and hey, we paid our part. And it looks really nice and even more comfy to watch whales. Wow! Well, <laughs> get that jab in, did Hey, we all know what's coming. Hey, we get to watch traffic of O'Hare fly overhead every three minutes. Ooh! Watch <laughs> for the blue ice fall. <laughs> is that what that is? So, yeah, that's what that is. <laughs> And that's not a political metaphor there. Uh, <laughs> so I do want to ask Judd one. He had he had touched on it earlier um, that he is the the founder of um, Streetwise, the Streetwise oh, magazine. Yeah. yeah. Um, you did that back in the early nineties, ninety two. Ninety two. What? I mean. Obviously, looking at your career, as we talked earlier, uh, you wanted to give back to the community and make it better. You proved that all the way all along. But what made you decide to get up one day and say, you know what, I'm going to found a magazine and wipe out homelessness or attempt to? That's that's some pretty ballsy things. And and so I I love the marketing impact of it, too. (laughs) Um, So I had uh, started a... uh, charity called People Ending Hunger when I moved back to Chicago from uh, Washington, D.C. in 87. And we did like uh, a fundraiser every six months for a homeless shelter or an organization that provides housing for the homeless. And after six or seven of them, Fred, you know, it's, it's burnout. You know, and I said, we got to do something else. We just kept doing the same thing. And even though we raised ten or 12000 which back in the 90, early 90s or late 80s was good, um, I wanted to do something else, and I didn't know what. And then I literally saw it on TV, on CNN. Back then, there were very few radio, TV stations. I think it was, you know, the main ones in CNN and maybe mm-hmm. other. But I saw it in New York. 
So I said, you know what, we could do that. And uh, I called New York, and there was a great one in London, big issue, and they gave me advice. And then it took a couple of years, to be honest with you. It took a couple of years. I had a woman from my church from the who quit the Tribune, move in, and um, August 24th, 92, we came out, and we've helped um, 12,000 homeless come through the door oh, wow. to get a job. And very proud Northwestern Business School did a study that said 40% of them, men and women, young and old, get a, another job or a place to live as a result of selling streetlights. Hmm. When they're standing outside Walgreens in the freezing five days a week, the Walgreens manager will hire him. Hmm. Jewel, wow. you know, stores see that and they're like, wow, you know what? Like you, Kristen and Ray said, it's hard to find help. Mm-hmm. You see somebody committed, it's not such a risk. Mm-hmm. That's, that's interesting. So I didn't realize that when they're standing out there, you know, selling the magazine, that's that's what that's for. Well, they're selling it for two dollars right now, and they get mm-hmm. to keep a dollar ten to make money. But the good news is they have a territory, they have a location, and if they're there, they, they we try to encourage them. Besides the training we put them through, um, just to have that one location, because just like you guys, you build up a clientele, right? Mm-hmm. Get to know your client, but. What what I never thought of is that wow you know the managers these businesses see that and you know they know what they're making they know they show up four five six days a week they're you know it would be a perfect try to try somebody like that absolutely yeah, yeah. what is the content of Streetwise right? so Streetwise um, we wanted to make it a general paper mm-hmm. so it's about it is a with a social bend, it's sort of like the Chicago Reader with a social bend, even though the Reader does that kind of thing. But so we have social issues, not only about the homeless, about all kinds of, you know, sort of social issues. But then mm-hmm. we want people to read it. So we'll have restaurant reviews, room, movies, theater, mm-hmm. um, all kinds of stuff. Festivals coming up. Mm-hmm. So if you're in Chicago, you're downtown, and you see someone saying streetwise. Buy the magazine for two dollars and take it because Streetwise needs the money from the, mm-hmm. and um, it's good for their self-esteem as, as well. But um, it's a, it's been a great run. Yeah. So there's no mobile app then <coughs> for Streetwise. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they, Streetwise.org is is. Oh. <laughs> Fred is good at those, those laying up those softballs. Yeah, that's good. Right. Yeah. What is he talking about? Yeah. yeah, streetwise.org. I love my job. I love my job. You know, it's an honor to work with you, right? Um, we get to have fun and, and meet interesting people and learn stuff. Yes. And it cracks me up. <laughs> and, and, and one more thing on the homeless. There are homeless newspapers all over the world, mm-hmm. all over America, ma- most major cities, most major cities all over the world. Hmm. In I Europe. didn't know that. Yeah. So with that, Ray, any last thoughts? Yes. You have some information to, sh- uh, to share with us, don't you, about some uh Potential people who are going to be on our show. Oh, yes, those news. <laughs> so, we have, um, through the power of, again, social media, um, we're going to have the co founder of the Dwyer Group, Ray, who is that? And that is the mother company? 
mothership. The mothership. Yeah. Of, of, of which uh, Molly Maid is under, mm-hmm. and Dwyer Group has many other franchises. <laughs> and and to name a few, yeah, and the <laughs> name of the, the new brand is the Neighborly. And uh, you'll be seeing that on our cars. It will be right below Molly Maid. And I think it, I'll, I'll let you take it. Who's, who's going to be oh, that? I, Dina? <gasps> you can go ahead. Dina here. Yes. <laughs> Kristen, <laughs> would you like to? Dwyer Owens. Yes. Wow. yes. She will be on the show. Wow. Ooh. Kristen looks impressed, right? Yeah, we are excited uh, yeah. about that. She's very busy lately. When's this? Yes. We, we haven't worked it out. Uh, We're still okay. dealing with the publicist. Okay. Mm-hmm. And she agreed via the Twitter account for <laughs> Pillars of Franchising. Right at Pillar of Franch, because Twitter doesn't go too long. So, again, those digital connections are just rocking it in, my friend. So, Absolutely. for the lower tech people, what's the is Pillars of Franchising? Is it Facebook? Or? Pillarsoffranchising.com is the website. You can go there. Okay. People will be able to, they've been listening here, there today. They'll be able to go. And in a couple of days, and actually listen to the show there, mm-hmm. as well as uh, Ray is starting to offer his wisdom um, onto the site, and we're just kind of growing it as the resource for people who are want to be successful at franchising. Mm-hmm. Cool, absolutely, and the people they need to talk to. So mm-hmm. it's now 501 in Chicago. So we're out of here. We'll talk to you next week on. Pillars of Franchising. Thank you, Judd. Thank you.